You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1125 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. Coming to you on a Saturday evening into Sunday. And today's podcast is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out prizepix.com and use the promo code MBA or go to the App Store and download the app today. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. Today's podcast will break down what became a nine-point loss for the Hawks at home against the New York Knicks on this Saturday evening. And the Hawks had their winning streak snapped at seven. Uh, it was definitely an impressive run with the Hawks winning all seven games by double digits. But in this game, the offense gave out and it was the second home loss of the season. The Hawks now eight and two in Atlanta this year uh, beyond the result of the game, which is obviously a little bit on the negative side. A um, couple of injuries that mounted in this game and definitely will loom over the team until there's actually more clarity on moving forward. We'll talk about these more later on, but both Cam Reddish and Bogdan Madonovich left this game with injuries and were not able to return. So we'll get into that later on as well, but that was definitely a, a big storyline on this evening. The Hawks trailed by as many as 10 points in the first half. But it was definitely a manageable game along the way. The Hawks took the lead, actually, in the third quarter behind Trey Young going crazy um, in the middle portion of this contest. But the Hawks kind of just collapsed on offense at the end of this game. Uh, the offense was really just kind of sputtering the entire way with the exception of Young, and the shooting was ugly. Uh, Nate McMillan talks about heavy legs after the game, and definitely I would say the Hawks missed a bunch of makeable looks in this contest. Maybe they were due for some of that after some red-hot performances in the last couple of weeks, but still it kind of landed right at the worst possible time when the uh, rotation was also weakened by injuries, and by the end the Hawks were uh, struggling to score, let's just say, in the second half of this contest. And um, overall, the worst offensive night of the season for the Hawks with 90 points, a season low there, and the worst shooting night of the season as well for the Hawks. So uh, lots to be frustrated by, but at the same time, process-wise, the Hawks had a lot of good looks in this game. It was definitely still winnable, even with the Hawks not kind of just shooting terribly all night long. So um, I would say this is not a doom and gloom night other than the injury stuff, and we'll get into all of why in a second. Pre-game, uh, as far as that standpoint, uh, both teams had a back-to-back in this game. The Knicks were on a back-to-back after playing at home against Phoenix on Friday. And actually, they were 5-8 and eight in their last 13 games, so they were kind of struggling a little bit in this contest. And the Hawks, while they had two guys in the injury report in this game, on paper by tip-off, they were supposed to be the healthier team. Uh, Reddish and Bogdanovich were listed as questionable, both coming into the night. And Reddish had actually an injury that came back to uh, be interesting here. So Cam was on the injury report for the first time this season with what the Hawks were calling left wrist pain before the game started. And that's actually the same thing that we left the game with, was a left wrist injury, so something to keep an eye on there. But Donovich was, was actually on the injury report with a left hamstring soreness and ended up leaving the game with an ankle injury on the other side of, the, of his leg. So um, we'll get into that later on as well. But the Hawks were shorthanded without those two guys by the end of the contest, and uh, the G League guys... Johnson, Cooper, and May is still a college park at this point in time. The Skyhawks are actually on a four-game road trip beginning on Sunday. Um, I will say it would not surprise me if we saw one, two, maybe even all three of those guys come back to Atlanta now uh, because of the injuries that were happening now. I will say the Hawks don't play again until Wednesday, so no urgency there, but it wouldn't stun me just for some depth if they wanted to bring those guys back if the injuries linger to Reddish and Bogdanovich. Uh, the Knicks were actually shorthanded in this game, though. Uh, in fact, on paper, uh, New York was without four of their rotation guys in this game, including both point guards, Kemba Walker, Derrick Rose, as well as Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson. So um, the Hawks actually opened as a five-and-a-half-point five favorite, according to Bellalana AG, our friends over there, before the injury reports even came out. And then by the time this game started, the Hawks were seven-and-a-half-point favorites, almost eight 
uh, with, with the juice by the time this game started because of the injuries, honestly. The Knicks were so banged up and shorthanded in this game, and by the end, the Hawks were the team that was uh, so banged up and shorthanded. Um, but alas, here we are. Getting into this game now, um, the Knicks actually started this game without a point guard on the floor. They started um, Alec Burks and Evan Fournier. They only had one guy active that was actually a point guard and Emmanuel Quickly. They do have Quentin Grimes who plays a little bit of that kind of combo guard role, but for the most part, it was a uh, it was a wing-driven effort from the Knicks in this contest. Um, and as a result of that, the Hawks actually kind of had uh, Trey Young guarding R.J. Barrett at the outset, which is not exactly what you would expect in a lab, but um, it actually worked to decently effects from the Hawks in this game. There was a huge dunk by John Collins around Mitchell Robinson in the early going, and Trey Young got going in his own right with a couple of quick, quick assists in his usual fashion. The Hawks missed a couple of threes at the outset, which is uh, I would say became a theme throughout this game. But Young hit a deep one and then a pretty fancy floater after a fake behind-the-back pass. And uh, Trey had nine of the first 17 points for Atlanta, including uh, two assists beyond that. And uh, I will say this in general in this game. Obviously, the playoff series, the Hawks play the Knicks. It's the first time that, that, that they've played the game, uh, that they played against each other since then. Um, still nobody on the Knicks roster can stay in front of Trey Young. Um, it didn't, I guess, matter ultimately in this game because the Hawks were not able to score beyond him. But there is no one on New York's roster that can stay in front of Trey. And that was very evident in this contest. Um, defensively, it wasn't too crisp in the early going. McMillan seemed pretty exasperated by that first time out. The Knicks were making some shots in the early going and actually took a, uh, took a lead after a 7-0 run. Um, in the first quarter. Rotationally, it was interesting. Obviously, things were thrown for a loop by the two early exits, but even before that, the Hawks chose to not take out Trey Young in that mid-quarter spot where they've been doing that in the first quarter in the last few games. Um, I'm not really sure if there's any rhyme or reason to this now. It's kind of just frustrating me on some level because I'm not really sure when it's going to happen and when it's not. The impact of that is not huge, but the Hawks did not do it in this game. Um, it was Reddish and Gallinari first, and then they brought in the line right and Lou Williams together about two minutes to go. They actually played Collins at center and with that backup unit. Uh, it's usually Capella, but I think with the Knicks kind of playing a little bit smaller and using Jericho Sims, they kind of allowed themselves to pair uh, Collins with that group and that kind of kept Capella on the floor when Randall was playing, which actually was pretty effective overall. But both teams scored well. In the first quarter, down the Hawks were down by one point after uh, John Collins had a nice post-up bucket at the end of the period. Both teams, though, scored about 1.2 points per possession in the first quarter. It definitely cooled off from there in a lot of ways, but it was more of an offense-focused um, uh, start on both sides. And the second quarter is when the injury struck for Atlanta. But before that, um, they played that, that Collins plus bench unit. Um, Gallinari actually, actually had a three. Probably the best moments of the night for him was a, an early three in the second quarter. But there was a 9-0 run by the Knicks after that. Um, with Reddish kind of ISOing a little bit against uh, R.J. Barrett off the dribble, turning it over, and then also turning it over on the next possession, or at least almost turning the ball over in the next possession. Um, the Hawks just kind of stalled offensively as well, missing some makeable looks as well. Uh, Gallinari was a problem in this game defensively, um, I would say more than normal. Uh, it was pretty jarring to watch with pick-and-roll coverage in that in that run in particular, but really the entire night. And in the midst of that, of that night on run by the Knicks, um, Cam got injured and left and went to the locker room holding his left wrist. Um, again, it was listed as questionable with left wrist pain. And then when the Hawks announced him that he was out, it was a left wrist sprain. So we'll see what happens there. He'll be getting an MRI, according to, to McMillan. Uh, the x-ray was negative on the wrist, but um, you're worried more about tendon stuff there than really bone stuff on a broken wrist, I guess is a possible thing. But we'll see what happens there. But the MRI will be crucial for Cam. Um, they brought the starters back in from there, but you know, within a couple of minutes later, Bogdanovich left the game as well with 6.40 to go in the first half. He needed help to leave the floor. It was very clear that he was banged up immediately. Um, he's been on the injury report basically all year long. Uh, hasn't missed a lot of games by any means, but he has right ankle soreness been on the injury report. 
Um, also a right quad contusion, left hamstring soreness, and then tonight it was a right ankle sprain for Bogey. Um, obviously, same sort of thing. Uh, x-rays were negative per McMillan, but at the same time, an MRI is in the offing. So um, your fingers will have to be crossed if you're a Hawks fan. Obviously, without Hunter already, they are shorthanded on the wing. I can't really afford more injuries. And if both those guys are out for a while, then you start to get to some dire scenarios. The Hawks do have some depth with TLC in particular and Solomon Hill. But uh, it gets ugly in a hurry if you're down three of your top four wings for any length of time. So we'll come back to that in a moment. But that's kind of the gist of that. Then with the Solomon Hill, um, that's the only thing that, that they probably could do in that spot, just to kind of plug that. You know, I, I mentioned this during the game, but I'll say it again now. Um, it's really hard to bring in a guy cold off the bench um, after two injuries. You're not really expecting to play that. You know, if it had been if the G League if the G League guys had been around, the Hawks weren't going to just turn around and put Jalen Johnson in this game or Skylar Mays. Um, you know, no one wants to come in cold without kind of be, being prepared to play. But if that's going to happen, Nate has proven time and time again he trusts Solomon Hill to do that um, and just kind of at a moment's notice turn around and say, "Solo, go to, go in there and have that trust that he'll be able to know what he's going to do." Later on, when there was more prep time, they were able to play. They were actually able to kind of lean on TLC more. But I think that just that trust factor with Solomon Hill played through a little bit there. At any rate, though, the Hawks um, kind of struggled offensively. The first stretch of that second quarter happened again later. But seven points in the first seven minutes of the second quarter got down by ten. As a result of that, some bad shooting, but not a ton of verb either offensively. Um, fortunately, the Knicks were not lighting it up either at that point in time. There was a huge dunk by Obi Toppin in the middle of that. But the Knicks went empty on three positions in a row late in the quarter, uh, and Trey Young scored eight points in a row at the end of the first half. Uh, so the lead was, uh, the, sorry, the deficit was nine, and that 8-0 run personally by Trey Young cut it down to one with two very deep threes and a floater. He was awesome in that stretch and really for most of the night. The Hawks before that were 3 of 16 from 3 as a team, and then Trey made those made those two at the end to kind of paper over some of that stuff. And uh, after all that, the Hawks were only down by one at the end of the first half because of Trey. Um, the offense did stall in a big way. Um, even with the Trey blitz at the end of the, at the, end of the, of the half, the Hawks were um, 8 of 26 from the floor and 3 of 11 from 3 in the second quarter. That's obviously pretty rough. 15 points in about 10-plus minutes to open the second quarter overall. For the full half, the numbers looked actually okay despite the bad shooting because of um, good offensive rebounding and free throw creation and turnovers. Um, but the Hawks were 7 of 23 on shots outside of 4 feet in the first half, which kind of told the story of the whole night in a lot of ways. But Trey had 22 before the half and was uh, pretty brilliant in his own right. Defensively, it was okay. The Knicks did shoot well and got to the paint pretty effectively. But also, it wasn't Capella's best half, I don't think, defensively. But they didn't shoot great either, and at least they held Julius Randle in check. So, in general... What I would say in the first half was, aside from the injuries, it was manageable. The Hawks didn't play that well in terms of just making shots, but down one after all of that, they were probably in a decent position. But the third quarter, which we'll get into in a second, was kind of their downfall in this spot. But before we get into that and everything else from the second half and beyond in this game, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Prize Picks. Attention, NBA fanatics, I have to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it, and I know that you will too. PrizePix is the best NBA DFS prop game on the market, and it offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as all the bench players, that only, even if they only record a handful of minutes each and every game. PrizePix offers any prop you can think of, 
In football, it's yardage, touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. In basketball, it's points, it's assists, it's rebounds, and much, much more. And every user that deposits and uses the promo code that we have here will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. And that promo code is NBA. One more time, that promo code is NBA. You pick two to five players and an overrunner on their projections, you can win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you against the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sports entries. You can take the overall on LeBron, combine with the under on Mahomes in the same entry, and that goes for Trey Young as well. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Yes, you can do all of this in under 60 seconds. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out PricePicks.com and use the promo code NBA or go to the App Store right now and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Today's show is also brought to you by DirecTV. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before, so you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Okay, and the second half actually started with some optimism for the Hawks. Um, other than Bogdanovich being out and Reddish being out at that point in time, Solomon Hill started, by the way, in place of Bogdanovich. Trey had it going again. Uh, he had a three of the first trip of the second half to cap a personal 11-0 run. Yes, he scored 11 straight points by himself, dating back to the first half. And then he found Capella for a layup and a dunk on two straight trips. So the Hawks scored 15 points in a row from the end of the second quarter to the beginning of the third quarter, and Trey Young was, was responsible for all 15 points. Um, so basically, the Hawks go from down by nine to up by six in like four or five minutes of game time. Uh, clearly, you know, through halftime, so it wasn't like a traditional run, but at the same time, the points all counted. Um, the Knicks did, though, punch back from there, and that was kind of the high water mark of the game for the Hawks was that six-point lead um, in the third quarter. Um, the Hawks kept, kept the lead for a while. There was some nice ball movement for the Hawks in general. Collins hit a Capella for a dunk on a short roll that everyone seemed to enjoy. There was a lot of celebrating that one possession with some good movement around the perimeter. But the Knicks had an 8-0 run from there to take a three-point lead with seven minutes to go. There was a genuinely hideous sequence of offense for the Hawks in that stretch to have the Knicks go up by three points. Um, Trey missed a three, then Capella missed a layup, Solomon Hill missed a, a, a layup pretty badly, and then missed a tipping as well. Then Trey turned the ball over, and then Herter missed a the layup. There, I would say, to be fair, there were some missed calls, I thought, at least two that I probably think should have been foul calls. But still, the Hawks go empty for that entire sh stretch with some pretty hideous plays. And uh, the Hawks never led again, by the way, in the game. Um, they brought in TLC for a rotational turn for the first time all season, really, um, for at least any, any length of time. I think he's kind of just been behind Solomon Hill and obviously behind the other four guys who've been playing the wing, plus Wright and Lou Williams on the perimeter. But they went to Sola, uh, TLC for a little while in the third quarter, and then back in the fourth, he was basically in the rotation the rest of the way. Um, he, I he actually got up a lot of threes in this game, missed his first one, made one later on in the third quarter, but was uh, you know generally functional. Didn't shoot it well like anybody else did in this game, but... Uh, the run actually built to 13-1 to overall by the Knicks. And the Hawks were scuffling so bad in that stretch that Trey Young, who's normally unflappable at the free throw line, actually missed two in a row at the line. Uh, one of those was a, sort of a second half of a pairing, and then he missed a technical foul free throw as well. So kind of underlying how bad the shooting was from the Hawks in that entire stretch. They broke out of it a little bit from there. 
with Capella getting down the floor, um, sprinting, by the way, pretty impressively from end to end for a dunk. Then Trey hit a three, and I thought Trey actually had a nice defensive sequence as well, where he actually helped to create a steal and uh, got fouled in that point in time. But he had 31 points with four minutes left in the third quarter and uh, finished the game with 33. So even Trey cooled off down the stretch in a big way. The Hawks didn't really sub much at all in the third. Um, for about 10, actually, the entire quarter of the third quarter, I should say, they had three subs. It was TLC for Solo. It was Gallinari for Collins, and they brought Collins back in for Capella. That was it, the entire quarter, because Trey Young and Kevin Herter played the entire quarter, and uh, kind of a weird thing to have happen in the second half of a back-to-back. Obviously, the injuries kind of pushed that to happen, but uh, I would say Nate leaned on Herter and Young a lot, maybe wore those guys out just a touch. Um, I'm not going to blame them for that by any means because they were so short-handed, but just kind of a weird little sequence there. There just was not a lot of activity on the bench. The Hawks did a three late um, to cut it down to three, actually, but then the Knicks scored the last eight points of the fourth quarter. Back-to-back threes by Alec Burks were huge shots, and then Randall Randall actually had a buzzer-beating layup for the Knicks to go up by 11. And honestly, um, you know, after the first two minutes of the first half, I'm sorry, the second half, which I mentioned earlier when they had that run dating back to the first half, it was basically all Knicks from there, um, from up six to down 11 the rest of the quarter. In about nine minutes, they lost by 17 points. That's going to get you beat more often than not. The Knicks, by the way, had a 108 offensive rating in the first half. By the end of the third quarter, their offensive rating for the game was 120. So that kind of tells you that it was like in the 140, 150 range in the third quarter alone. They shot 57% from the floor in the third quarter with five threes, and the Hawks struggled, let's just say, mightily offensively the entire second half, with the exception of that first few minutes behind Trey. Uh, So going into the fourth quarter, down 11, the door was not closed on a run. And by the way, if I told you the Hawks allowed only 14 points in the fourth quarter to the Knicks, I would say that they had a pretty good chance. Um, You know, down by 11, you're not great. But if I, again, just give you the caveat, the Knicks scored 14 points in the fourth quarter, you would say, oh, maybe the Hawks got back into the game. But the Hawks scored 16 points in the fourth quarter. So the run never materialized. Um, it was Collins plus bench to start the fourth quarter. As I mentioned before, Young and Herter played the entire third. The Hawks scored six total points in about seven minutes from the end of the third to the start of the fourth. Um, honestly, probably should have been down more than 12, but it was 12 at that point in time. The defense was at least pretty feisty. There was a nice block by Collins on a uh, lob to Obi Toppin. Trade didn't sit for very long because they pretty much couldn't do that. Uh, they brought Capella and Herter back in. They definitely pushed a little bit to try to win this game rotationally. They could have gone more with DeLon and Lou and TLC, but they kind of didn't have to do that um, to kind of push his car on the back-to-back. Obviously, with three days three days off after this, probably helped a little bit, but they definitely did not um, take the uh, foot off the throttle from a rotational standpoint. Uh, Nate challenged a blocking call against Collins with about seven and a half minutes to go. Um, I thought it was a block, to be honest. Uh, they, called it, they called it a block uh, even after a review. It was unsuccessful, um, and that gave the Knicks a 14-point lead. That was their largest lead of the night um, for the Knicks. Um, and from there, the Hawks were at least kind of in the game the rest of the way. Um, they actually went to Lou and Trey together, which I don't always love. In fact, I usually don't like it, but I do understand it there. So I want to be positive about that. You know, If there's one time to do that is when you're obviously so banged up on the wing, number one. But number two, when you're trailing, that Lou-Trey lineup is obviously highly volatile in a positive or negative way, I think defensively. It can get you beat in some ways, but if Lou has it, Lou is, a, is the kind of guy who can carry you for three minutes and get you back into the game. Now, it didn't work in this game, but I actually want to at least credit that. That's, that's probably the best possible time, I think, to use that backcourt, and they did it for a little while there. It actually kind of sparked a little bit. It was a 5-0 run, uh, which doesn't sound like much, but they got it down to a 9 with five, with five minutes to go, and you know the game is still very much in place at that point in time. But after the timeout, both teams actually scored, actually failed to score, uh, three, three, three trips in a row. So from the five-minute mark to the three-minute mark, 
it was just scoreless on both sides. Now, that isn't a disaster, but when you're down by nine, you've got to make up points, and the Knicks, uh, I think, will take that all day long. There was another timeout, and then the Hawks actually got a fourth stop in a row, but give up an offensive rebound, had to foul, and then um, let's just say this. Um, I, could have, I could do the whole thing for you, but I won't do it now. Um, after Lou missed back-to-back jump shots, the Hawks actually went scoreless on seven consecutive possessions in the fourth quarter to go from basically having a chance and having the door open to not being able to kick it down. Um, the Hawks didn't score for more than four minutes, and I can go through all the details, but let's just say the shooting was not good, the decision-making was not good, the process was not great in that stretch. Lou did not have it in this game, for one. Um, you know, but everybody missed everybody missed shots, honestly. You know, Collins missed one, Trey missed one, etc. in that run. And uh, the door was open for the Knicks. They, did, they kind of sputtered in their own right, but the Hawks just could not score enough to get this done. Um, as far as takeaways are concerned on offense, there's a lot to get to here. Uh, we'll get into it now, I guess. Uh, a season low in points with 90. That's obviously not good. Field goal percentage, also season low um, for the season for the Hawks. 35.5% from the from the floor in this game, I should say. That is a season low for the Hawks. And 18 assists. That ties the season low for Atlanta. McMillan talks about heavy legs a lot. I will certainly say the Hawks' shot quality was better than their shooting was in this game. Um, I'm... I've often been yelled at, yelled at both positively and negatively by, by Hawks fans for saying that, but there are nights when the Hawks make every shot, and that happened a couple times in their homestand and slash this winning streak. Obviously, they made a ton of shots against Memphis, etc. They're probably due for some regression on just how hot they were shooting at the same time. This is a performance where the Hawks scored a 97 offensive rating in this game against a Knicks team that's not playing that great defensively, and in a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it can be attributed to just missing a ton of of shots. Um, you know, let's just say this, 9 of 37 from 3 in the game. Um, they were 11 of 45 outside of 4 feet. That's sub 25% on basically any jump shot or even like push shot from outside the paint. That is uh, obviously terrible. Um, Non-Trey Young players, so everybody but Trey Young, was 4 of 27 from 3 in this game and 32% from the floor. If you include Capella, so if you say any, everyone except for Trey and Capella shot 26% from the floor in this game. Um, there were some positives. The Hawks won the glass. They had seven turnovers in this game. It just wasn't quite enough because they just could not make a shot. And the second half was even worse. They were 15 of 46 from the floor in the second half. That's sub 33%. 4 of 19 from three. In the fourth quarter, it was 7 of 24 from the floor and 1 of 9 from three. You just can't win like that. Obviously, I mean, if you had a huge lead, maybe you could help. Maybe you could hang on to it with that. But even against a Knicks team that wasn't scoring at a sky-high clip, you just got to make shots, and the Hawks missed a bunch of pretty good looks. Even McMillan said that after the game. He's not someone to give you like that cliche, but they just missed a bunch of good looks. Um, did they play great on offense? No. But did they play better than this numbers indicate? Yes, they just missed a bunch of shots, which happens. Uh, defensively, they did enough to win. I will say that. The Knicks are not great on offense by any means, but they held them to about a 105 offensive rating. That's usually enough to win with the Hawks' offense in particular. Other than the third quarter, when the Knicks got hot a little bit, it was pretty good overall. Held them to 14 in the fourth quarter, and um, Julius Randle didn't really do much of anything for the Knicks in this game. In fact, Randle scored eight points. If you if you tell me coming into the night that the Hawks hold Julius Randle to eight points on 314 shooting and the Knicks to under 100 points, I, I, I'll tell you the Hawks have a pretty huge chance of winning. So there were lots of fundamentals that were pretty encouraging. And defensively, there was not too bad. I mean, obviously, there were some players, I think some breakdowns that were bad, like Alan Ari in particular, which we'll come back to in a second. But I would say, again, the big theme for the night is just like, you know, it's a back-to-back. You can't win them all. Uh, eventually, you're going to have a bad, a bad night shooting-wise or just even overall-wise, and that kind of just happened. And that's how you lose a winning streak at this point in time. 
All right, before we get to the rest of the podcast and some player evaluations, etc., a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Built Bar. It's here, and it's the best Monday of the year. It's Cyber Monday, and Built.com is the place to have your mouse aimed, and you can get at least 20% off everything delicious and healthy. That's 20% off site-wide, and even bigger discounts on Built Boost, Broth, and Built Swag. A brand new Built Bar flavor has just landed in time for Cyber Monday, and it's Caramel Almond Delight. It delivers everything it promises, from caramelized chocolate to almonds to just being absolutely delightful. And be sure to get yours before they're gone with 150 calories and 17 grams of protein. And in addition to that, this season, maybe you're craving white chocolate for a limited time. Get a special new Built Bar Puffs flavor. It's White Chocolate Cheesecake. The yummy protein treat is filled with marshmallow center, covered in white chocolate with only 140 calories and 17 grams of protein. Tis the season to save and give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar. Get to Built.com for those incredible tasting new bars and 20% off everything. Yes, 20% off everything if you head to Built.com and to the promo code LOCK20 before it's too late. Today's show is also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. It's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means. It means football, and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. BetOnline has covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all of the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive 50% as a welcome bonus with a promo code locked on to receive that bonus. It's not just football either. BetOnline has pro and college basketball, NHL, boxing, UFC, golf, your favorite Vegas casino games, and much, much more. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the rest of 2021 and beyond. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. One more time, check out BetOnline.ag with a 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on to receive that bonus. BetOnline, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. All right, so we'll dive into the players now before we get out of here on this weekend edition of the podcast. Um, you know, broadly speaking, the biggest thing from this game overall is the injuries to Bogdanovich and Reddish. As a refresher, um, both guys exited the game, did not return. Um, an MRI scheduled for both per name McMillan, and x-rays were negative for both, which is obviously a, uh, an encouraging sign on some level. But we'll probably find out something in the next day or two on the MRI results. The Hawks, again, do not do anything in terms of uh, activity as a team on Sunday after the back-to-back, and they don't have another game until Wednesday. But uh, hopefully we'll get some news early on this week about either one of them or both, and uh, you know we'll get into that later on. Uh, as far as guys who played in this game, everyone who was active other than Gorgie Jang appeared because of the injuries. They ended up playing TLC and Solomon Hill in the second half. We'll start with the guys who played the least. Um, actually, that was DeLon Wright, who uh, they kind of went away, went away from in the second half. Um, had three points, had a steal, had a rebound. He was okay. One of four from the floor, one of two from, from the free throw line. Um, the, the, lim- the limitations as a, as a creator and scorer a little bit always keep him um, held back, and you can definitely see why. I still think that he makes a lot of winning plays, but obviously the offensive stuff is not like a, you know, he wasn't like a huge uh, elixir in this game off the bench. Um, TLC, 13 minutes. Three points, two rebounds, got up four threes. So that's kind of going to be his role in offense. Um, defensively, he does his job. I think he's you know big and physical. I think I've said this before. I think he's a rotation caliber player. So a lot of teams would be in a lot worse shape than the Hawks would be if they were to lose Bogey and or Reddish for a while. Because I think TLC is you know better than a lot of fourth wings. Let's just say around the league. At the same time, he's not as good as those guys are. So we'll keep we'll, we'll come back to that later on, but. He was okay. Uh, he'll make more. He'll make more shots than this at some point, but um, worth pointing that out. 
Uh, Lou Williams, I thought, struggled in this game. Five points. Did have six rebounds, which is a lot more than normal for Lou. Um, four assists, which is encouraging, and two steals. But with one of six from the floor, 0 of 2 from 3. Uh, a couple of just kind of, you know, trademark loose shots that he missed, but also a couple of forces, I thought. And then defensively, he had the steals. That's definitely helpful. But, you know, obviously he's uh, he has a target on his back a lot. Was not great in this game. I thought Solo played well. The only exception kind of to that kind of just the fact that he offensively doesn't give you much at all. And he had the sequence where he missed both of his shots in about three seconds on a layup followed by a tip-in that both went uh, you know, went begging. That's the kind of play that I know fans remember when you talk about, like, you know, people always talk about how bad he is, quote-unquote. I don't believe that, but obviously offensively he holds you back. He's not a finisher. He's not someone who's going to give you really much at all on offense other than just ball movement and screens and all that stuff. But defensively he was really active and good in this game. Um, also, three offensive rebounds. I thought he was he played well, and the Hawks actually were plus three in his minutes. That's not necessarily because of him, but he had four rebounds and a steal. And you'll see more of him in the coming days if there is any lingering effect to Reddish uh, and or Bogdanovich. But you know, Hill. We talked about him for now a year and a half. He is, uh, you know, there's pluses, there are minuses. He's not going to like win you games. He's not going to lose you games either. I don't think. And uh, we'll come back to that later on. But um, I thought he did his job when he stepped in and just kind of plugged that hole. And then um, other than Reddish, who only played seven minutes in this game, um, Gallinari, I thought, was really a big problem. Uh, five points in 21 minutes. It was 2 of 11 from the floor, 1 of 6 from 3. Now, that tells the story on some level is that you know, Gallinari, you know, for a long time, he cannot sustain positive contributions if he's not shooting the ball at least reasonably well or getting to the line. And you know, scoring five points on 11 shots is uh, speaks for itself. Uh, he was minus 16 as well because with that offensive output, and he was bad on offense in this game, no free throw attempts, no assists, etc. He was terrible on defense. Um, he's already he's usually not good. Let's just say he has limitations. He's very slow at this point in time, but he is physical and generally is like active in the half court stuff. Like he kind of knows where to be. But uh, in this game, it was he was being picked on and pick and roll. Traditional stuff is always a problem for Gallo. He's very bad end to end at this point in his career. But it was kind of the perfect storm in this game. Um, it was his worst game of the season, I think, overall. I don't want to pile on too much, but the fact that he was a game worse minus 16 was not a fluke. I think it was not all him. You know, plus minus single game stuff does not always be explained. But in this kind, in this game, I actually think it's pretty explainable. I think he was really bad, and hopefully that's not going to continue. It's back to back, all that stuff, and hopefully he'll be re-energized for Wednesday. But he was uh, a big, big minus in this game overall. Um, the four stars who, who were not injured in this game, other than you know, Bogey left the game with 10 minutes, all played 35 minutes or more on the second night of a back-to-back. That's not great. Um, it's more explainable because you have three days off after this, and it was obviously not a hugely taxing game in Memphis on Friday, so I won't pick on that too, too much. Um, Herder was quiet, eight points, two assists, two rebounds, four of 13 from the floor, 0 of 6 from 3. Kind of just explains the, the, the game in a lot of ways. Uh, is that her? I think took six pretty good looks. I don't remember him taking any like to, any ter- any terrible shots. Just missed all six. And you know how many times are you going to get oh six from him and from three? You combine that as well. How many times is the combination of Herder and Collins going to go one of eleven from three in a game? And that happened in this game. So you know I thought Herder played fine process wise. You know he made the right play most of the time. Just didn't make shots uh, defensively. Was at least active and did a pretty good job. I thought at the point of attack, but um, just didn't make shots as most guys did not in this game. Um, John Collins, same sort of thing. Twelve points, nine rebounds, had three assists, a steal, and three blocks as he continues to uh, play good uh, defense on the on the backside. But was three of five on twos, one of five on threes. Um, got to the line four times. But I thought he just was fine generally. Um, played forty minutes to actually lead the team in minutes in this game, and played some center um, for wide stretches of this contest. And you know was a general positive, but uh, didn't make his usual diet of shots. Uh, Capella, I thought was not 
as good defensively in this game as he had, at least in the first half, as he has been um, at times this year in the recent past, but still was um, was a positive. You know, 16 points, 21 rebounds, speaks for itself, had three blocks. Um, he wasn't like a dominant like resistance guy at, at different times in this game, but I thought even even then, that's by his standard, and his standard is, is obviously sky high. So he's been playing super well recently, and I think that pretty much continued in this game. He's actually plus seven. A lot of that was that he was not really paired with Gallinari much at all in this game, and that kind of explains that. Uh, Capello, good. Uh, Gallinari, not good in this game. Kind of explains that in some level, but um, I thought he was okay. And played well. Uh, and then Trae Young. 33 points. 7 assists. Um, 4 rebounds. Um, did not have any steals, but had 3 turnovers. You know, just generally played well. He did cool off, as, again, everyone did in this game. But even then, with the cool-off period in the second half, um, he shot 5 of 12 on 2s, 5 of 10 on 3s. So not great on 2s, but 8 of 10 at the free throw line, which he'll obviously take. That's below his normal uh, accuracy, but still 10 attempts is uh, very, very good. And the Hawks were dead even in uh, plus-minus when he played. So, in general, the starters, except for Collins, who was asked to anchor the bench unit in this game, when the starters were on the floor, uh, the Hawks were playing dead even or better. Uh, Herter, plus two. Young, dead even. Capella, plus seven. Those were the guys who played with the starters, quote-unquote, in this game. And the Hawks were effective in those minutes. It was just the bench um, got beat up, let's just say, overall. Uh, We'll leave that there for now. Um, And again, I will just say this one more time. This is a game that is frustrating to watch in the moment. It's obviously a rivalry game. It's uh, you know sort of a high-profile one. It's Saturday night, etc. A lot of extra attention. Maybe, maybe, maybe won't be there on a Tuesday, but I think there's not that much to be upset about other than the injuries. Obviously, the injuries are unfortunate and hopefully not too bad. But game-wise, it's a loss in the standings for sure. The winning streak is now over. But process-wise, if you just I, I, I would say this as a final point of this, uh, if you just simulate this game. 100 times with the exact same shot quality, shot profile both sides, the Hawks win this game more often than not, in my opinion. Uh, they lost by nine points. Um, obviously, there would be some game flow stuff that would change if you just didn't know what you know, if shots go in, etc. But I think it really was a lot of it could be explained by just shots not falling. From here, the Hawks will return to action in a few days, but they actually, again, have three days off, which is very strange. The first time all season long, they've actually had three days without a game. Um, this happens again in a couple weeks as well. So a couple of little breaks here because the Hawks have had a bunch of back-to-backs. This is actually their fifth of the season already. So the schedule makers have given them some time off because there's a marathon road trip coming up at the end of December into January. And um, so December is pretty light overall. With that said, they'll have a definite rest day, a full rest day on Sunday after the back-to-back. I'd imagine they, they will probably practice in full on Monday and then something lighter on Tuesday before traveling to Indiana, who they play the Pacers on Wednesday. I'll have some podcast content between now and then, so I'm not going to like preview the Pacers game just yet. But um, Indiana, that's a winnable game on the road, I'll say. The Pacers right now are 9-12 and overall. They are better at home, though, 6-3 and at home as of the time of this recording. So that's a game you can obviously lose if you don't play well, but an uh, interesting measuring stick game there, and then you actually come back home again. They don't go uh, on the road for more than one game in a row for the next month, uh, basically, until the uh, Christmas trip when they go to Philadelphia and then New York. So all that said... Uh, some time to recuperate here. Hopefully some positive news on Bogdanovich and Reddish, but we'll have some content in the coming days. I will guarantee you at least one more podcast between now and the game on Wednesday. I would guess it'll be two more podcasts between the game, between now and the game on Wednesday, but the best way to find the podcast always is to subscribe to the show. Please tell your friends about the podcast as well. Tell your acquaintances and family 
etc. Hawks fans in your life, please share the podcast with them and leave five-star feedback if you enjoy the show, reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, tell your friends, etc. Please subscribe, unsubscribe, get creative. Um, I have someone who was uh, definitely trying to click around and find and give us some extra support. I always appreciate that as well, but uh, thank you sincerely for supporting the podcast. Uh, I will sign off now at the end of this holiday weekend. We'll be back again at the very latest, um, I would say one more time between now and then, but you know, Monday night, Tuesday night, something like that. We'll have a podcast, so please subscribe, and we'll see you next time.